0: That's joinMIDI.com.
1: Good evening, and welcome to Night Gallery. Thank you, Rod. And I want to welcome everyone to Midnight Viewing, where once a month we talk all about your follow-up to the Twilight Zone, Rod Serling's Night Gallery. They say it's Rod Serling's Night Gallery, and it isn't really Rod Serling's Night
0: Gallery. It's somebody else's.
1: Oh, we know. We talk about it a lot. Your curators at Midnight Viewing are the projection booth's Mike White. What can happen to human beings when trust is wiped out by suspicion? And Culture Cast's Chris Stashew.
0: Small boy encased in a crystal ball.
1: And I'm Father Malone.
0: The kind of thing that usually infests nightmares. Join
1: us monthly at Midnight Viewing, the Night Gallery podcast at WeirdingWayMedia.com.
0: Doesn't remotely belong to me. I have no proprietary interest in that at all.
2: there i'm chris dash
1: i'm mike white and this is father malone
2: and we are the hosts of dreams for sale a once a month look at the twilight zone 1985 otherwise known as the best reboot of this show but
1: question mark
2: i yeah i was about to say we may be getting into some territory that's not that i'm
1: anymore. now starting to appreciate the jordan peele reboot <laughs> oh
2: okay that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that that's possible right um I don't
1: know, after this run, starting to think it. I mean, that's fair.
2: Yeah. Well, not overall.
1: I mean, sure, well,
2: yeah, well, you know, topicality does hurt the show overall. I think that was kind of I think that's the general consensus among everyone is Trump episodes are cool. But like 10 years from now, I hope to God, nobody cares. So right uh, on this episode, though, we're not talking about Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. We're talking about the 10th and 11th episodes of the third season of the Twilight Zone 1985. Those episodes are The Trance and Acts of Terror. Lights,
1: a crowd, the proper atmosphere and the common coin of desperate belief, commodities necessary to the life and times of Leonard Randall, who may or may not be someone else as well.
2: So The Trance aired November 26, 1988. It is directed by Randy Bradshaw, written Once again, by Father Malone's favorite, J. Michael Straczynski, everyone. I love him. He's so good on this show. Uh, Yeah. And this episode talks all about a man named Leonard, who may or may not be able to challenge or challenge channel Delos, uh, a creature from beyond the stars or the company in Westworld. You take your pick.
1: Well, now it is, I suppose. (laughs) Um...
2: That's all I could think of.
1: Yeah, I think it was in the original, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Um, the sort of mid to late 80s seemed to me to be the rise of, and I think we've talked about this in other episodes, the sort of new ageism, sort of like permeating the culture uh-huh. where uh, suddenly um, uh, Brown. Shirley, Shirley MacLaine is talking about her past lives and crystals are a thing and we're cleansing our chakras and whatever. Um, and so obviously this episode is a a, a clear not attack on it, but comment on it and kind of a twilight zone, twist where the guy is faking it. And then the, the biter gets bit. He, he has the real deal show up. I think at uh, this, like most of the episodes we're going to be talking about today are sort of gentle twilight zone episodes. There doesn't seem to be any stakes whatsoever. Um, I, I didn't, I, 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 there's nothing inherently wrong with this one. And I really like Peter Scolari. Um. It's always good to see him. What's funny is, but you know, back in the bosom buddy days, I was sure he was going to be the star. And Tom yep. Hanks was always just going to be like a second banana goofball. How wrong I was um, the second <laughs> banana
2: goofball now, Father Malone. That's yeah,
1: right. Um, but uh, I mean, this one, this one's OK. I, you know, I can't really speak against it, but um, it it didn't feel like it went anywhere it did anything it's not like we learned anything about this guy and and why he does what he does and you know what the consequences are now that he has a real spirit within um and it it it, it it's it doesn't really take a savage attack on it and it doesn't take a measured. i don't know it's just kind of there just right what's well, like he
3: doesn't as this new spirit the real spirit let's say he doesn't come out and give people really good advice, doesn't look into their future, doesn't call out all of their foibles and flaws. He's, he's neither devil nor angel. He just yeah. kind of spouts a lot of New Age claptrap. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I care about this real spirit as much as I did about Delos of Atlantis.
2: It just you came new, from thousands
1: news, of years ago to tell me to quit smoking? Like right. everyone is telling me to quit smoking.
2: <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the fact that the spirit is just a snide dick is all it is. Like the spirit only talks when like someone's walking away. He's like, <laughs> like, what did you say? <laughs> right. Oh, oh, nothing. Oh what was that? <laughs>
3: oh, nothing. You, like, you want to start something? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't it's say anything.
2: Like you know, like you were talking about Father Malone. Like this is. I don't know if this is a condemnation of people like Sylvia Brown, these like mediums or channels or like home SETI stuff like that, but it kind of feels like it. And I bet if you were one of those people, you would find it an attack. But again, uh, if you don't believe that those people are honest to begin with, what does it matter? So if you know, you don't believe it, this is giving them a hard time. They kind of deserve it. If you don't think they're being honest anyways, it's just, I don't feel like it goes far enough. Mm -mm. No, it should. It should have gone a little farther. Like, and in the first season, we had an episode
1: called "Healer" with Eric Bogosian, which is sort of the exact same kind of plot. Like, you know, where he misuses it and it, and he loses the power, and it goes on to somebody else. Like that, at least had a beginning, a middle, and an end to it, and had some stakes to it. This is just like what he like lost his endorsement deal, and you know, who cares? Like, what penance is he doing for scamming these people who are?
2: Well, I don't, what I don't understand is he's not really being punished because he is going to learn the wisdom of the universe. So like, that's not a bad thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, he, you know, it should only take 20 or 30 years, which would put him in like his forties or I guess his fifties or sixties. But like, again, then he will be able to speak to the wisdom of the universe. So like, is this a bad thing?
1: It sounds like he's been actually chosen to do some good in the world. Right. Right. Maybe we're missing the point.
2: (laughs) I don't think there is one. I think these are just very, like you said, very low stakes, soft episodes of the show.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the next one, because the next one I'm actually angry at. (laughs) Yeah. This one's not bad. I I was reading um, the blog
3: postcards from the Twilight Zone, which is a pretty good blog. Talks a lot about old episodes, including these these episodes, and they're talking a lot about how Straczynski was just recycling old Twilight's own ideas and just kind of calling them his own. Like, it's there is a created by Rod Sterling credit on here, but I don't think the original authors were credited. I don't know. The one thing I found the most hilarious is that I think he goes on to a TV show and it insults the host, and the woman that's um, who show. He's on, I believe, uh, her character name is Daphne Blake. So I was very happy that uh, Daphne, you know, because Daphne ends up getting a TV series and Fred's her cameraman. I can't remember if that's just in the comic books or if that's in the if that's canon to um, uh, to the actual show of Scooby-Doo.
1: Is anything actually canon?
3: Yeah, I guess it all kinds of flip flops. You know, yeah, once I a mean, pup named Scooby-Doo came in. Right. Once we, <laughs> whatever show you're watching, that's what it is. Yes, love, exactly. love
2: loves traps. That's all I know.
3: He does love his traps. Of course.
2: Fan of traps. I wanted more from this episode. I like the Shuma Zamoria. Like I like that sort of like wacky nonsense. Cause again, yeah. as someone who's into this stuff, like I love how it just bullshit this gets. It reminded me of those like Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis comics, books slash video games. Like I love that Atlantean stuff, but they don't really go into it enough. And it doesn't fall flat. It's just not much of anything. And that yeah. Eric Bogosian episode is way better.
1: Way better. Because yeah. Because it's it has, given time. It just to do has things. no teeth at all. Like, you know, if if this if someone from the first season had written this episode, it would have been bitter and angry, and we uh-huh. could have gotten mined something from it. As it is, it's just like, here's another gentle tale of a little bit paranormal, and here's the Twilight Zone, everybody.
2: It's ironic to me that J. Michael Straczynski is the executive of Harlan Ellison's estate. Because uh-huh if harlan ellison wrote this episode it would have had god oh yeah anyone i mean yeah george rr martin (laughs) if he had written this episode even
3: yeah that spirit that takes over scolari would be such an asshole and just completely tear everyone a new
2: one yeah instead of just being like like stop talking under your breath spirit like
3: well and the whole thing too i mean just the pacing of it where it's just like when he goes under in those trances and he wakes up, he's just like, he doesn't know anything happened that he even went under in a trance. And it's like, you were recorded, you know, there is a videotape of you doing this. So why don't we show you the videotape and figure it out a lot faster and then do, you know, it's like that whole figuring out of the power thing. I think we talked about this either last month or the month before, but it's just like, come on, you know, get to know it very quickly And then off you go, and we'll talk about that. I think what in the next episode, the twenty twenty vision doesn't take you a long time to figure out what's going on with stuff.
1: Yeah, and we're as the viewers, we've already figured it out. You don't why why are we smarter than the lead? Like, don't do that.
2: And again, now we're backed into a corner with the show's episodes only being twenty two minutes. So if you're not if if you're not going to just get to the point immediately, you are wasting our time and your time because you have 22 minutes and that is a choice of the people who made the show. And you need to play inside of that box substantively. And I think, I don't think this does.
1: Yeah. I mean, not to, not to bring up the, the other podcast we've done or did the Chronicles from the crypt about the tales from the crypt show, The, the last couple of seasons for that show, we felt were just like the ideas that had been left over that it was like Somebody pitches something. It sounds enough like a Tales from the Crypt story. They go, go ahead and write it. And then there's that's where it ends as far as the creative process. They just go, okay, we'll film this as is now, as opposed to rigorously going through it and making it better. It feels like the the first draft is the shooting draft here on every episode this season.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I just don't understand why more care wasn't given to some of this stuff because they really needed to pare the writing down, focus it a little bit more. Maybe have something to say. This is Twilight Zone. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, it's not enough to touch on a subject that's current. Like, no, take a stand some way.
2: I mean, even though we didn't like Kentucky Rye or Little Boy Lost, at least they had something to say.
1: Yeah, right. I didn't think anything could make me appreciate those. But, it you know, as muddleheaded as they were, like, hey, man, they fucking went for it. Like, yeah. here's my point of view. Deal with it.
2: Yeah. Tongue clucking and all. Yeah. <laughs> i mean hey that kentucky rye episode is hardcore anti anti anti-alcohol but like again i I can't fault it for having that opinion i can fault this episode for literally not giving a shit enough either way to say anything so
1: and yet like you know again it wasn't like offensive it just kind of happened washed over you and was done
2: so let's go on to the next episode acts of terror
1: considered
0: quite pretty once
1: not long ago before the arguments and the years and the stick took it out of her, Louise Simmonson, like so many,
0: broken on the wheel. With one subtle difference, this wheel has a name.
2: So Acts of Terror aired December 3rd, 1988. It is directed by Brad Turner and written once again by J. Michael Straczynski. Boy, he's just, <laughs> he's just everywhere.
1: And, and, Very and, and busy nowhere, man.
2: <laughs> and nowhere at the same time.
1: And was he not the story editor of the show at this point? So basically, he's just, he was—he's just rubber stamping his own work. <laughs> Here yep. you go send it through. This one's a this one's a keeper. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, in this episode, we have a woman played by Melanie Mayron, who is married to Kenneth Welsh, who is a abusive husband, and many, many, many crazy things happen, like a dog figurine.
1: How do we know we're in Canada? Oh, look, Kenneth Welsh. Kenneth Welsh. Yeah.
3: And the way
2: <laughs> Melanie Mayron said sorry over and over sorry. and over again.
3: <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Welsh is one of the great Canadian actors. And very few times does he cross that border. But uh, yeah, he always makes an impression. Of course, for me, he's always going to be Wendy from Twin
1: yep. Peaks.
2: Of oh, yeah. The he's Black fantastic Welsh. in this episode. Yeah, the acting
1: yes. is, is good. I and yeah. I like Melanie Marin a lot. Like uh she didn't really uh uh break much out of that 30 something uh ghetto that she was in. But mm-hmm. um I think she's good here. And yeah. you know, kudos for attempting to have a bit of social rev- relevance here. But like here's here's a question. Is it um is it established that her sister sent her that dog? Is that yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And did and did they not address it again? Right, they they never say like
2: I got it from ye old curiosity shop. Or, no, she's uh, like I got this mail from my sister. Right. Okay. Right.
3: I sure would like to open that mail. It's a gift from my sister.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Why are you getting any letters? Oh my it's god! It's twelve oh six. Where's <laughs> that dinner? Ooh. Yeah. You burned my eggs, bitch! Like Jesus Christ! Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean.
1: I don't know. I don't want to step into a minefield here, but like you look at his character, you just think like, what, what was the attraction ever? Right. This (laughs) older guy who, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to blame blame with victims of abuse, like that. It's their fault for making the wrong choice. I'm not saying that at all, but like, you just look at this character. He's so painted in the evil with the evil brush. Oh, you're just like,
2: what, what's unkempt, unkempt hair. Unkempt clothes, sharpening his knife in his garage. Like this guy is a scumbag. This guy's a scumbag, and, and they didn't even—he like... didn't even open his. Ma- if he didn't open his mouth, I would still know he was a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how evil he he's painted chair. with. There's yeah. no subtlety here.
1: Oh, uh, and I don't know. I mean, it's it's a Twilight Zone, I guess, because the statue comes to life. I guess, kind of. It's this. I I don't know. It's very ham handed and it's very poorly uh, sort of delineated what is going on here. I mean, Mm -hmm. we know because it's happening and we're seeing it. But uh, and, you know, the thing is, like, the dog just keeps kind of menacing him without actually doing anything for most of the episode. Like, wouldn't it? immediately attack him he's been beating on this woman for years she's she's a a broken human and this thing is like the avatar of her rage and it just kind of growls at him a little bit like like the scene where he's where he's in sharpening his knives in the uh, uh in the garage and he has time to not only reach over and get his hastily bolted to the wall shotgun but then fumble out the 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 shotgun shells and put it in like i'm just like why aren't you ripping his throat out what
2: well, what, what are you I waiting for? What I don't understand is why was it just a dog? Why wasn't it like the shadow man or like a monster or something? Right? it's like, yeah. the twilight
1: zone, right? Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Why be. Fucking go for it. Why be bound by terrestrial creatures that actually exist? This is the twilight zone. Mm-hmm. We have seen the shadow man already who is a, you know, if you have sleep paralysis, a real thing. If you don't, not a real thing, but. This is a dog, a Doberman pincher. Like Jesus Christ, you could have done anything, literally anything. And it's just a dog. Yeah. Well, okay.
1: d- during the 80s, Dobermans were very fearsome.
2: <laughs> just <laughs> That's during the true.
1: 80s. Just during the 80s. And then it became yeah. Rottweiler's
3: for a while. And then yes. it became Pitbull's. Pitbull's. Yeah. And it, Pitbull's still reign to this day. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in the 80s, Pitbull's were just like selling beer. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> That's yeah. true. Is it? Is okay. Was I the only one who thought that when he was like out sharpening his knives, he was like a serial killer and it wasn't he was cheating on his wife? I was like, is he like a serial killer? And that's what's going on here.
1: Oh, what were you doing more work than the writers?
2: Right. As we are, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I was trying to make this episode interesting, which it wasn't. Yeah. That's my fault.
1: You, and guess. you just did that, that is miles more interesting than what we got. That's what right. I thought
2: was going on. He's like out there sharpening his knives and his friends. Like you got to stop doing this man. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I have to murder my wife eventually, but not right now. Like, I'm working and up the, to it. Yeah. Like yeah. Then the dog, like, yeah, but no. Like, it's just he's cheating up if he's OK. I have a question. Why is he sharpening his knives? What does that have to do with anything?
1: Because he's a bad, bad man.
2: <laughs> Isn't bad people sharpen their knives.
1: Mm-hmm. Bad men sharpen knives. That's just that's just science. Put that's that shit right. on a
2: T-shirt right there. Bad men sharpen knives. I guess I guess because he. He didn't go on a hunting trip. He went on a fishing trip. And again,
1: <laughs> well, you got to gut that fish with this, but you don't gut a, the
2: fish with that kind of knife with a giant <laughs> bowie knife. Right. <laughs> you, you gut got a fish with a fillet knife that has a blade. That's like that big <laughs> This giganto knife. That's why I was like, he's a yeah, serial what, killer. I don't uh, get it.
1: Something tells me then that the production designer was not as on the ball as they should have been. Oh,
2: weird. You know what? He should have been out in his garage doing that would have made perfect sense. And it would have led into all of this. Should have been out there, like, wrapping flies or something. Hmm. You know, like, fly fishing, like, out there with that, this, that's like, not little evil. thing. That's, that's delicate
1: not and nuanced.
2: But it doesn't right. matter what he's doing as long as he's talking about the fact that he's cheating on his cheating, wife. Yeah, like, loud and proud in the fucking next oh, room. Oh, my God. Yeah, so loud. Oh, yeah, and fuck someone else. Can't you not hear me? Like, Want to smell my fingers? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hold on. I got to make sure this door is open. Right.
2: And then it, and then it does the, the, the laziest of lazy tropes where she's like standing in the doorway where everyone could see her. And she's like, Ugh, like, that's man.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and you know what? And in the end, does the guy really get anything done to him? I mean, it gives her the gumption to leave. But like, what is his punishment here? Just a dog attack? Yeah. Just a dog attack. Like he's wearing a
3: bandage over one hand but i'm like man you should be mauled to shit it's
2: the implication of a dog attack at the end she's like don't run after me or the dog will get you like okay
1: who cares (laughs)
2: like are we also led to believe that the dog will protect her in her sleep and at all times because this guy seems like a complete looney tune and would track her down like
1: oh yeah (laughs) I mean, you know, they could have just done anything like I wish it. she had been the 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 catalyst for this somehow. Like, you know, like she found the the thing and it, it appealed to her in a shop, you know, like it's it, the character doesn't do anything at all until the last moment when she leaves, which is what she should have done to begin with. But like, you know, there's no proactive motion on her part. Like I would have loved at the end had like that dog come and joined her like like yes I've been doing this the whole time you fucker like don't ever touch me again something or or the other way like had this guy like be completely ostracized as a lunatic for seeing a a phantom dog everywhere he goes yeah get locked up in the loony bin right some punishment like her leaving was going to happen eventually anyway
2: and why does the dog still stick around after the sculpture's been broken
3: yeah yeah well, you know who that dog is, Chris. Jesus. Tom Skerritt.
2: Oh, wow. Deep cut. I like it. Yep. He's Thank here. You. He's back. He's
3: Tom, here all the way from Shack. All the way. 10, 15 years later, he comes back, still trapped in dog form and has to help that was out a this lady. Too, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was. See, evil. Melanie Mayron,
2: And he was like, oh, yeah. I'm coming, Melanie. I'm coming to save you.
3: Yeah, that's how we, he's paying back the, he's the a, curse. Certainly, yeah, yeah.
2: And <laughs> then, and then, what we don't see is the scene after this episode ends with her driving off, and he turns into Tom Scarrett Right, which is good for her. That's good, a good look for a everybody. Yeah. yeah, Tom, Tom Scarrett's great.
1: Oh hell yeah! We and just made Tom, a better episode. Yeah, take that, Straczynski. Thirty-five <laughs> years ago,
3: let, let us go. Let,
2: let Father Malone manage Harlot Ellison's estate. You coward!
3: I I should. Yeah, that's a, that, that's what you get for not ever responding to my interview requests there, Jay Michael. <laughs> really? Well, he's too busy. Too busy. I got He had that new book out and I was like, "Come on, let's do an interview." No, too busy. Too busy. I mean,
2: he's too busy writing those Thor movies that they had to then unwrite. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, they essentially unwrote the first Thor movie in Thor 3. So mm-hmm. cool. Who cares?
1: <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't realize he wrote the Thor movie.
2: He wrote the first one, yeah. Really? Yeah, he was also one, in the first Thor movie. Th- that one's bad. Yeah, that's why they yeah. wrote it. <laughs> uh, not as
3: bad as the second one, but it's still pretty bad.
2: Well, the second one is expounding on what the first one did. So Yeah. 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 You thought that was <laughs> bad? Here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Here, let's amplify that for you.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, J. Michael Straczynski is a fantastic comic book writer. Like, certainly. His runs yeah. on Spider-Man and Thor and Fantastic Four are amazing. He also wrote Superman Earth One, which... I would suggest anyone who is a fan of Superman and has never read that, go check out.
1: And I like Babylon five. I thought that was a solid show for a mm-hmm. couple of years that I watched it, but this no, well, you know what? Young writer working his way up, I guess. Yeah. Everybody's got, got to start somewhere. And I'm sure he's written episodes of the show that I can't think of right now that were good.
2: Has he, I think Possibly. every episode that we've talked about has not been good. Oh, he wrote Michael. 12 episodes of the show. So all in this season, huh. Mm-hmm yeah feels like it at least anything else we want to say about this episode don't watch it (laughs) I mean Father Malone is like an angry green haired FDR with those glasses on (laughs) (laughs) don't watch it also December 7th 1941
1: (laughs) infamy
3: my friend yes don't ask what your Twilight Zone can do for you
2: yeah, it's fair. Jay Michael
1: mm-hmm. Straczynski.
2: So on the next episode of Dreams for Sale, we're going to be taking a look at the 12th and 13th episodes of the third season, 2020 Vision, and There Was an Old Woman. And guess what, guys? Neither one is written by J. Michael Straczynski. Oh, oh. they must be good then, right? Mm. Yeah, we'll find out on the next episode now, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> or more aptly, you'll find out on the next episode because we already know. <sighs> Oh, we got okay. one
1: up on you, folks. I
2: let the, we let the sauce, we let how the sausage is made out, <laughs> out into the world. Yeah. You guys already watched him?
1: <laughs> yes. So I just looked him up. He did write one episode in the second season. It was that horrible imaginary friend one with Tom Skerritt.
2: Oh, oh funny. No. What are friends <laughs> so for? So funny. Bum, bum, ba, dum. There you go. <laughs> hey, that episode is really bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Not the one with Lucas Haas as well? Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And uh, was that Fred Savage too?
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Lucas Haas is the imaginary friend and to- and Fred Savage is the real one, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Fred, well, Fred Savage is just a dickhead, isn't it? Right. Isn't yeah. He son? Like he's just a rude kid, like punching out girls and shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. But until we talk about the next episode of the show, where can people find you, Father Malone? You can check me out
1: over at fathermalone.com. You can check out my podcast. It is a half-hour radio drama uh, called Dark Destinations. Uh, You can also check out my YouTube channel, um, which uh, you can also access through fathermalone.com.
2: What about you, Mike? What's going on at the Projection Book Podcast?
1: We are talking about movies. What
2: movies?
3: I can't tell you, but we're definitely talking about them. Got some good stuff lined (laughs) up. Yep. Definitely in-depth. So got an amazing complaint today we were talking about animal violence on one of the uh movies that we were discussing and had to make uh write and complain about how silly we were talking about animal violence when there's real violence in tarantino films and i was like well that's not actual real violence they have stuntmen whereas this movie had possible chicken death so just want to warn people people complain about the weirdest
2: things what yeah. about ism, my dudes? It's I guess so Aegis.
1: It's fantastic.
2: It's so, yeah. sweeping the nation.
1: It's a great time to be alive.
3: Yeah. Find me over at projection-booth.com and yeah, come on along. It's a fun time.
2: And as for me, you can find me at cstasher.com where you find links to all the podcasts I work on. Like Barty Miller with Mike, Father Malone and I. We still have Chronicles from the Crypt. You could still listen to it. It is a complete show from start to finish. You could listen to that or the culture cast, my main show where we talk about movies.
1: Chris, I'd like to suggest that you spell your name. Yeah. People instead of just saying
3: cstashu.com. Nobody
1: knows how to spell stashu.
3: You might want to change your name.
2: Not even me to be fair. C S (laughs) stashu. No, it's a C S T A C H I W.com. You guys are right. I should spell it out. I'm an idiot. Thank you. We already knew that uh yeah and uh, as for this show twilightzone85.com twilightzone85 on twitter as well big thanks as always to roxy drive and neutron dreams for the music for the show And we'll catch you on the next episode